1: Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin.
2: And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation.
0: Hello 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 how are hello. you both? how are you we're good, as good. Our dog, this as is our... just audio right this is yes just... yeah <laughs> okay no, our,
2: our house is currently under construction so this is absolutely right. just audio oh, i but...
0: love this i love i'm sitting in my bed <laughs> right we uh we're in our pajamas
2: yeah you're gonna you're gonna love hang it. out with our dog uh, our dog back here might chime in on occasion so uh meat he, noodle. Uh, noodle over here
0: <laughs> i used to have a dog well i still do have a dog but my daughter moved into the apartment downstairs and i gave her the dog so i she doesn't have to pay rent but now she has the dog (laughs) that's a fair trade isn't it it really is a lot it is a lot and so my so you know my whole book tour fudgy was with me she would be (laughs) like right there and they said, I'm talking. And then you hear, she's a pug with car- chronic bronchitis. So you do a snorting and, and I'm like, oh God. We or have snoring. Mr. Burns.
1: And yeah. Mr. Burns is old. And he's, he's going to be a lot older for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you say so you have two?
1: We yeah. have two. We have Noodle, who's a big sheepadoodle. And then mm-hmm. we have Mr. Burns.
0: Mr. Burns.
1: He, uh,
2: he has started to look very much like Mr. Burns. So.
1: So his name has grown with him. He started out as Presley.
0: And now he's Mr. Burns. Gotcha. So uh,
2: he'll be the one you hear clawing in the background trying to figure out what food is. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. So thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today on on TPQ20. These have been really exciting conversations. And we always like to start things off by saying we know who you are. Okay. um, But our audience may not. If you were to give your elevator pitch on who you are, who are you?
0: I am a Black Southern mama writer, author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies.
1: Well, it's so wonderful to have us. Is that good? Oh, it's perfect. Okay. It's so much more than we could give you, I think. To have that opportunity for you to introduce yourself. It's an honor to have you with us today. I'm Courtney.
2: And I'm Chris.
0: Nice to meet
1: you. It's so wonderful uh, for you to take the time to talk about your writing with us today. We wanted to start today by asking about some of your passions.
0: Yes. Okay. So what
1: are your main passions when it comes to the world of literature?
0: I am loving writing that is particularly fiction right now. That's unapologetically black, quirky, nerdy, satirical, funny, sexy. Right now, I just want to be entertained. So you're <laughs> I really want to be. fan. I'm sorry? You're a big Morgan Parker fan. I love Morgan Parker. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
1: I love that nerdy, quirky side too. That's one of my yeah. favorites.
2: Yeah. What do you see as a, in that world of fiction, who are you reading right now? Who is exciting? What are those mm-hmm. authors doing that are making you, you know, run to them?
0: Yeah. So actually I'm doing a lot of rereading right now, you know, nice. but in terms of new stuff, Nana Nkwedi, she has this wonderful collection called Walking on Cowrie Shells, which is, <laughs> it's it it hits you in all the feels, you know? So there's all the the funny stuff and the quirkiness and it's also like a couple of gut punches in there too. So you're going to get the the full gamut from that collection. I also love another I think Nana's book might be out, but Destiny O Birdsong has a fantastic collection that's coming out. It's like a novel told through three really long, short stories. <laughs> so maybe they're like three <laughs> novellas, but it's called Nobody's Magic. Ooh, okay. And each in the stories are kind of connected. And the three Black women main characters, they're Southern and they all have albinism, which, you know, so we, we I've not seen that in literature before. And it was just a fantastic collection, really sexy and funny and surprising uh, in many ways. And then Lola, Akinmade Akristram's novel, In Every Mirror, She's Black. Isn't that a great title? Oh, that's right?
1: beautiful.
0: So you've got a Somali woman, I believe she's Somali or Sudanese. I can't believe I'm messing that up, who is an immigrant, a Nigerian American woman, and a Jamaican American woman. And they all end up in Stockholm, Sweden. Oh wow. Connected in some way to this white man. And I can't say more or I'll spoil it. But absolutely wonderful. But rereading, Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya's Friday Black, I'm rereading. Um, Rian Almukar Scott's uh, The World Doesn't Require You. It's So Nana's book is short stories. Rian's book is short stories with a novella, and it's satirical and really powerful, both of them. And then Nafisa Thompson Spires, The Heads of the Colored People, mm-hmm. is a collection of short stories. And she is just brilliant. And, you know, she kind of nerds out and the stories are hilarious. She's naturally funny writer. And just it's just so smart and interesting. Like there's a story about a white woman who's like a fruitarian married to a black man. And she's trying to be a reality TV star. Like,
1: <laughs> you know, I feel like that might your be mind is just
0: blown, right? <laughs> and so I'm reading and rereading. And like, I want to do that. You know, I want to write like that. <laughs> nice
1: you've given me my reading list I there think you go. to have got to rewind this and
0: and go back through and just start
1: writing down immediately <laughs> so chris you want to go to our next question
2: yeah so one of the things we're really interested in courtney and i have both spent about 20 years in education mm-hmm. and we're always really interested in kind of the process of how things work you know what is your process when it comes to writing do you have any weird superstitions or rituals yeah. are you a nine to five got to sit down and write Or, you know, how do you approach your craft?
0: Very haphazardly. (laughs) (laughs) We're adding that into the the elevator pitch there. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that I had a fun or interesting ritual. Like August Wilson used to walk around his desk so many times, you know. But I think, you know, my kids are now... Not kids anymore. You know, they'll be 18 and 23 this year. But I think as a parent, I got so used to sort of writing when I could that I've never been able to really keep to a schedule. And oddly enough, the closest I came was in the pandemic. I started waking up at six uh, Monday through Friday to write with friends, meaning okay. everybody's doing their own thing, but we're on Zoom and just sort of being together but separately doing our own things. So that's the closest I've come to a regular schedule, just trying to get up early, get the day started early each weekday. But in terms of the process for the stories, you know, the ideas come from a lot of different places. I take lots of notes. Sometimes the notes just sit there for a month or years, you know, and eventually I come back. I don't throw things away. And then I start to build and take more notes. And, you know, sometimes I play what if, and then sometimes I have to ask the characters some questions to kind of better understand different, you know, what's going on and figure out. I usually write to discover, like I don't outline because I often don't know what the story is going to be. Like I might have a gist or I might have a, I think it was Karma Maria Machado who said it, like she said, it's like solving a math problem. Like if I have this, And this, and this, you know, then what, what does that look like? And so that's kind of my approach. So some of it is, you know, experimenting and trying out different possibilities. And then finally, when I have this, you know, sort of mass of notes, then it's trying to put them in a sequence, like puzzle (laughs) pieces. Like I have like a million analogies and metaphors now, but you know, having the chunks in some sort of order. And then it co- those things can beg some questions like what's missing? You know, I call it like connective tissue that I might have to develop further just to get a first draft. And then comes revision and revision and revision. And revision is really the part I like. You might be the first person in a while to, have, uh, to have made
2: that <laughs> statement. That's a People revision hate revision. Revision causes divorces. oh, Tell me
0: more. Why do you like revision? <laughs> tell me more. Cause I love revision. I love, cause I feel like the hard part is done, right? Cause yes. then, you know, in revision, then it really is problem solving. Like I'm reading and, and something jumps out and I got to fix it. Or once I'm okay with the draft or I might have a few questions, then I send it to some readers. They give me feedback and I'm not precious about my writing. So, then they send it back and say, you know, this isn't working, or what about this? And my agent is also a former editor. And so I, you know, right. So there's a story I had published at Oxford American called Dr. Sandman that came out recently. And my agent and I must've gone back about four or five different times just on this one section. And that was one of the rare times where I said to her, I think it's fine like Mm -hmm. this, but for the most part, I'm usually kind of a Girl Scout about these things. If a a reader says, this isn't clear, or this doesn't ring true, or this doesn't make sense, I try to be responsive to that. But we went back so many times on this one particular point, I was like, it's fine. (laughs) I think it's fine. And then, you know, once you submit your work, and someone accepts it, you're going to go through another round of edits anyway. You know, so I like that part. part.
2: Did that part (laughs) end up being edited again?
0: It was clear. So it was my first attempt at like writing the supernatural. And, you know, my agent was very much on this, like, but I'm not sure why he's doing this. And I was like, well, it's because this. And I said that, you know, to me, it was very clear (laughs) for whatever reason. And, you know, it's funny. I'm a Virgo. I don't know if this means anything to you all, but so is my agent. And usually that bodes well because nothing is going to get missed between the two of us. Right. Right. But then when you have two Virgos saying, but don't you see? You know, and we're both convinced, you know. Because your path um, is clear. Yes, yes. And, and so both that your paths was, are clear. <laughs> we've been working together for uh, about a decade at this point, if not more. And this is like the first time where we just couldn't work it out. And so when it got to where it landed, they seemed to be clear about it. And I didn't have to, you know, say more. But that's the part I like because... It's like I've got the bones down and then I can just work on clarity and then I see the opportunity to start playing a little bit and having some fun and and whatnot. But the hardest part is to take that. It's like clay, you know, like a sculptor and just sort of you start with that glob, you know. And so with a draft, it's less of a glob. And so I like that stage.
1: I understand. That's how I feel too. The empty page is the hardest for me. Yes. Where do I go from there? (laughs) Yeah. So our next question is about pitfalls. So Mm -hmm. what do you see as having been some of your biggest pitfalls
0: or obstacles
1: Mm -hmm. along your way in this journey that you've been on? And how do you handle them or what are some of the things that you've learned from them?
0: I think the biggest one was just trying to have some semblance of financial stability while writing, especially fiction, you know, because even when you get a book deal, my, (laughs) the advance that I got on church ladies could have paid two months rent and had a little bit left over. That was, that was it, you know? So how do you make a living at this, especially if you haven't even gotten a book deal yet and still have time to write? That was the tricky part for me. So I used to call it when I was freelancing, like a patchwork quilt of income. So I've done it all. You know, I've done freelance writing and editing. I've worked for, done that kind of work for n- municipalities, individuals, nonprofits, for-profit, you name it. I've done the writing and editing. I've also done, you know, project management gigs and things like that. And it was still never enough. I was adjunct teaching for like eight years, well, which is, that's never enough. <laughs> and then, but the somehow in the back of my mind was like, and then in the evenings and on the weekends, I'm going to write and <laughs> like, you know, it just rare. I mean, I did write, but not nearly enough. And I just felt like it was eluding me. And so that was so hard, like how to, you know, make a living, feed my family, keep a roof over our heads and still write fiction and write the things that I want to write. And I was doing, you know, personal essay and a lot of things. And so I was able to do it. But it took me 20 years, you know? And so I think it's that that's trying to strike that balance between having to make a living and having time to write. In terms of what helps, I mean, it's easier if you have a kind of job that allows you to make enough money where you do and you work a regular nine to five and then you have time, you know, left over. And so for three years, I did have a corporate communications job where I actually went into an office and worked regular hours. And that was very helpful for that stability. But I think something that I came later to, and I'm starting to do, look more at now fellowships, grants, that kind of thing. But the ones that require you to go to a university or something, I didn't have the flexibility because I had kids right? and I co-parent, I couldn't just uproot my kids for a year, you know? So I think that's it. Just trying to navigate that world and how do you get the money <laughs> that allows you the time to do the work?
1: That's a challenge we're seeing a lot, especially Mm -hmm. for a lot of moms or people in Mm -hmm. co-parenting situations. Yes. I saw that a lot where as a mom myself, where you couldn't apply for a lot of things because I'm in a co-parenting situation myself and legally we can't just uproot our families and travel. So we're kind of cut out of those uh, fellowship opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's something I hadn't really thought about in all situations.
0: Yep. There's one, I think it's called the Sustainable Foundation Grant that's specifically for parents, for people who have children under the age of 18 at home. And then I heard that somebody's starting one where you get money and space where you can actually go somewhere and bring your kids. Oh, that's amazing. But still create, you know, it's set up so that you get, a you know, time, I guess, maybe there's childcare or something. But only in the last decade, five to 10 years, have I started seeing things like that.
1: Yeah, that's something, especially with, I mean, now we've seen with the pandemic, I mm-hmm. think people are seeing so much more, we can be doing things.
0: So much differently children. all along.
1: <laughs> all along, we could have been Shocking. accommodating parents, Shocking. especially right. moms, yes. right? Yeah, the
2: yeah. communities can come together. You know, it's, it's yes.
1: So maybe yes. that's something we'll look for some more resources and put those out uh, with yeah. this episode, along with that book list, because you've given yes. us more resources than <laughs> I, can, I can accommodate for myself, at least. So our last question, Chris.
2: Yeah. We kind of started out talking about some of the exciting things uh, Mm -hmm. in the world of literature. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we always like to end on talking about what what's coming up. What is super exciting that's coming up that you know about or uh, we know you've got some fun things on the horizon. Um, Yeah. So, you know, what are you seeing out there right now that's exciting?
0: I really hope that the success of my short story collection and others last year, last year was a great year for short stories. This year, it's continuing. And I hope we're really seeing something that's going to last, yeah. that we can finally stop lying and saying short story collections don't sell. People don't read short story collections, you know? And I mean, and, and I say it's a lie and that I don't think that, you know, the industry folks were making that up because I hear that from readers all the time. They'll say, you know, I never read short stories or I don't like to read short stories, but I hope that's changing. And I hope that people continue to embrace and be excited about short stories the way they are about novels. So I'm hoping that 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 continues. And then for me, I am working on another short story collection. I thought the next book was gonna be a novel and I think (laughs) I'm just giving up at this point. And and, and then I've actually like the draft of the novel that I've been working on since 2007, I'm poaching that for stories. Next collection. And I think that will effectively kill the novel because, you know, (sighs) if I poach the stories, what's left, you know? So, you know, that's on the horizon. And then Church Ladies is being adapted for television by HBO Max. I'm writing and I'm executive producing with Tessa Thompson. I have a co writer, a a wonderful creative partner. There are all of the ways that it's great that we are of a like mind, you know? Those things are great, but also there are things she's going to bring to this project, including experience in screenwriting that I don't have, but also some other perspectives that I'm just really excited about. And I just knew from our first conversation that we could really make magic together. Ah, Oh, that's so so
1: exciting. I'm so excited for you. Thank you.
0: Thank
2: you. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to all that's to come from you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on TPQ20 today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. This was so wonderful. Thanks. My pleasure as well.
2: All right. We will talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care. Bye. Bye -bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.